Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hey, y'all, it's me, Robin, your host here at the Parenting After Trauma podcast. Just real quick before we get into today's episode, I'm reminding you that the inaugural cohort of Being With which is my new immersive and holistic program for professionals who work with kids and families. It's open for registration until December 17th. So it's possible it'll sell out before then. It Looking at the numbers right now, it could really go either way. But definitely my recommendation is if you're planning to register, I wouldn't delay too much longer. And if you're still deciding, be sure to head over to the website, watch the videos at robingobel.com slash 
being with. And if after that you have more questions, we can have a quick chat over the Voxer app, or you can schedule a quick Zoom chat. This program is really shaping up to be something quite spectacular. And I'd love to have you be a part of this inaugural cohort. RobinGobel.com slash being with. All right, let's get to today's episode. Hello, hello. Ah, It's so wonderful to be with you again today. Welcome back, or maybe welcome for the first time. These podcast recordings have started to become a bit of a ritual for me. I'm alone in my office, yet I imagine being connected to each of you. I'm noticing that it's really expanding my felt sense of connection to people and places way beyond my physical connection. It's such a grounding, regulating feeling. In today's episode, I'm going to help demystify this extremely common experience for parents of kids with a history of trauma. Why do fun things suddenly go bad, or sometimes even the anticipation of a fun thing? I'm Robin Goebel, and this is episode 32 of Parenting After Trauma a podcast created so I can translate the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human just for you, a parent or maybe a professional who loves and cares for kids with some pretty baffling behaviors. I'm a psychotherapist with over 15 years of experience working with kids with complex trauma and their families. I'm also a self-diagnosed brain geek and relationship freak. I study the brain kind of obsessively, and even teach the science of interpersonal neurobiology in a certificate program. I started this podcast 32 episodes ago with one primary goal, to get you free, easy to access support as fast as possible. So this podcast isn't fancy and I do very little editing. When you finish this episode and after you've hit the subscribe button so that you get every new episode downloaded right to your podcast player, then head over to robinglobal.com slash the club and get yourself onto the waiting list for the next time the club opens up for new members. The club is a virtual community of connection, co-regulation, and a little education just for parents of kids who have experienced trauma and of course, the professionals who support them. The other week, we were all together in a Zoom meeting, and several members reflected on how even in just the short time that they've been in the club, they've already become more regulated. They're internalizing each other and me. The compassion and the co-regulation that we're all offering to one another and the compassion and co-regulation that they're receiving, it's this beautiful experience of offering and receiving that is really changing the brain. And they're finding themselves more able to parent the way they've been longing to for years. We had a little chuckle on how if only the only thing we needed was to just learn more information and then we could just do it. That sure would make life a lot easier. But the truth is, is that we parents need exactly what our kids need if we want to actually use all that information that gets stored up in our thinking brain, all the information that you're gathering, listening to this podcast and going to conferences and reading books. You've got so much great information stored up in your thinking brain. 
but all of us, all humans, what we need to be able to access that great information, especially as we're starting to get stressed, is more connection and more co-regulation. So I created the club for precisely that reason, and it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life to watch it all unfold. So again, robingobel.com slash the club, get yourself on the waiting list. We open for new members approximately every three months. All right, let's get going on exploring today's topic. Why do good times seem to always, or at least a lot of the time, go bad? Big things like birthday parties, major holiday celebrations at grandma's house, or a vacation to Disney World, or even just a small vacation. Little things like trunk or treat at church, or an afternoon at Jumpoline, or even just recess. Why is it that your child can actually be having fun and truly seems to be having a great time, but then all of a sudden falls into this pit of dysregulation, seemingly in the blink of an eye? And then you end up feeling whiplashed and resentful, certainly grieving that for some reason, your sweet family and your precious child are missing out on some of the most anticipated and seemingly normal moments of their childhood of of simply just being a family. To get a clear understanding of why this happens, because getting an understanding tends to open up our compassion and then we can better brainstorm what to do to support our kids, let's first review the concept of neuroception. I've talked about neuroception in previous podcasts and on my blog. So if you're new and this is the first time you're ever hearing about the concept of neuroception, scroll back. You can find episodes about felt safety. There's an episode on connection or protection. There's an episode at the very beginning called No Behavior is Maladaptive. Those are just the ones that are coming to mind in this moment where I know I'm talking about neuroception. So neuroception is the phenomenon that's underneath felt safety. This lower and unconscious and faster than cognitive thoughts, parts of the brain are scanning for danger and estimated four times every second. Y'all, that's every quarter of a second at least. The brain is scanning and asking it safe or not safe, safe or not safe, safe or not safe. And then based on the answer to this question, this four times every second, our brain and our nervous system shift in either connection mode or protection mode. Our desperate to survive above all else brains has a negativity bias, meaning That if it's actually going to make a mistake, it's going to err on the side of deciding that something was not safe, even if it actually was safe, right? Our brilliant brains also supercharge threatening experiences in our memory systems so that when we successfully fight off a saber-toothed tiger, the next time we see even a glimmer of a saber-toothed tiger in our peripheral vision, we immediately access those memory networks that are going to help us claim victory once once again. Woohoo, right? So the brain isn't really that concerned with if the saber-toothed tiger in your periphery is actually just a harmless kitty cat from your favorite next-door neighbor. Since the brain's job is to keep you alive, it's fine with you overreacting to the neighbor's kitty cat as opposed to underreacting to the life-threatening saber-toothed tiger that rogues your suburban neighborhood. 
Any chance that y'all remember Pavlov from maybe like a psychology class in high school? Pavlov was a researcher who was able to get dogs to salivate to the sound of a bell by repeatedly pairing that sound with their dinner. So these dogs started to connect the sound of a bell to dinner, even though there really isn't any relationship between the two outside that lab experience, of course. Neurons that fire together, the bell and food and salivating wire together, right? So eventually the dogs only had to hear the bell and they would salivate as if they were starting to get ready to eat dinner. So some of your kids have paired danger with things that aren't actually dangerous, like let's say the telephone ringing, because maybe at one point that thing was dangerous. Like maybe the telephone rang and at that exact moment, they witnessed some horrible domestic violence or maybe everything was dangerous. So this might help you begin to figure out why certain fun experiences actually turn your child into a dysregulated mess. Think about those environments and be curious. Is there anything in that environment that may have been previously paired with danger for my child, like sounds or smells or even like the seasonal changes, like what the environment looks like. I'm kind of a geek about memory science and because I love it so much and want to share it with basically anyone who will listen, I do have a three-part video series on the impact of trauma and memory and behaviors. So go check that out if you haven't already gotten it. It's free. It's at robingobel.com slash video series. Okay, so this these pieces about memory and how experiences in the past impact the way we are interpreting experiences in the now, you can get a little more in, insight into that at robingobel.com slash video series. But if we're staying focused on this idea of why do good times suddenly go bad, there's one more really important thing to think about. The brain and neuroception are interested in both external cues, like the things that we see in the environment, like a bell or the telephone ringing, you know, things that are happening externally in our environment, but also the brain and neuroception are interested in our internal cues, what's happening inside our body, like heart rate, respiration, levels of cortisol sympathetic activation. All those things change when your child is having a great time. Recess definitely increases heart rate, respiration, and sympathetic arousal as they're running to keep up with their friends, sliding on the slides, you know, swinging on swings. Birthday parties, definitely an increase in all of those things, right? So all of those things also increase during a fight, flight, danger, danger response, right? As your child's heart rate elevates, as sympathetic arousal elevates due to excitement, 
or in order to power your child's body through the energy that's required for gross motor skills at a birthday party or at recess, your child's brain is still scanning for danger. Always. This is always happening four times every second. But this time, the danger might actually be coming from inside your child's body. Just like Pavlov compare a bell with salivation, your child's body compare increased heart rate with, I'm about to die. And just like that, the switch is flipped and all those fun times immediately turn into dysregulation because uh, our, their heart rate went over 140 beats per minute or their respiration accelerated to this tipping point where their brain learned that's a level of arousal that means danger, 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 I'm about to die, right? So there we have immediate dysregulation. Dysregulation that's fueled by the fact that your child is already in sympathetic activation. So the dysregulation might be big, right? All of the sudden, everyone is out to hurt your child from their perspective. An innocent bump on the trampoline causes your child to retaliate with a fist because his brain believed it was an attack. Or the sweet fun your child was having turns into a bit of maniacal fun. It's out of control. And your child suddenly can't hear, listen. They're doing impulsive, outrageous things, right? The brain is scanning for danger outside and inside the body. Early in your child's life, sympathetic activation maybe only meant danger. It didn't mean fun or shared pleasure, only danger. They didn't have enough experiences of belly laughing face-to-face when they were five months old. They didn't have enough experiences of being tossed into the air by a particularly brave grown-up. They didn't have enough experiences of being chased around laughing and then maybe tripping and falling and getting hurt and surprised, but then being quickly co-regulated. Those moments where they were stressed and maybe even too stressed fell outside their window of tolerance, yet had someone nearby who could quickly step in and soothe them. The nervous system grows in its capacity to tolerate stress because it experiences small doses of stress that are either tolerable or if they're not tolerable, they're quickly followed by co-regulation. For so many of our kids, They didn't experience stress, even good stress, in tolerable doses. They felt stress too much, too often, and too intensely. Their sympathetic sympathetic nervous system just didn't have enough experiences where they learned that not only can stress, sympathetic arousal, actually be fun and playful, right, when we're experiencing safety, but even when it's not fun, it's over relatively quickly and someone is able to help them feel better. So then, not unlike Pavlov's dogs, their brain tied together stress, energy, and activation with danger, danger, danger all the time. And now then, fun can quickly fall off into a cliff of danger. The really great news is that this pairing can be undone. It definitely takes a lot of time, 
a lot of patients and perhaps a skilled therapist, but mostly a patient and attuned parent who can help the brain relearn that an increased heart rate can just mean that there's fun happening. So of course you're saying something like, uh, okay, Robin, well, tell me how to do that, (laughs) right? Well, unfortunately it isn't a simple step-by-step process, but it does involve attuning to our kids well enough that they can experience tolerable doses of stress with lots and lots and lots of co-regulation. So for example, in my office, we'll play games where we get our heart rate up sometimes just for a moment or two before intentionally bringing it back down. We'd play around with finding that edge of their window of tolerance, which means, of course, that sometimes we're going to fall outside the window of tolerance and into dysregulation. But falling outside is really the only way to find that edge. I would always be prioritizing my own regulation so that when I was with a child who was becoming dysregulated, I could stay grounded and regulated myself. And remember from Lisa Dion's episode that that doesn't necessarily mean calm. Parenting with co-regulation and providing scaffolding and seeing our kids as needing support due to the lagging skills that they have all helps kids slowly untangle that fun equals danger, danger over coupling that they have. Does understanding the neuroscience behind this odd phenomenon help? I know it doesn't offer you a solution in and of itself, but perhaps it allows you to see the behavior in a new way, which then might help you stay more regulated. And actually both of those things changing how we see a behavior and staying more regulated ourselves, those both actually are parenting interventions. Really, they truly are. And they're really important ones, actually. So thank you, thank you, thank you again for joining me here for another episode of Parenting After Trauma. If you haven't made your way over to my website to see all the other resources I have for you, what are you waiting for? Head over to robingold.com to find over 50 blog articles, free videos, and other resources. You can also check out my deep dive comprehensive digital course, Parenting After Trauma, Minding the Heart and Brain, as well as the virtual community of connection and co-regulation, and of course, a little education in the club. If you love this episode, please share. The sooner the whole world understands the neurobiology of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human, the sooner things will change dramatically for our kids and for ourselves. I'll see you next time. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos plus transcripts and certificates of completion. 
Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash beingwith, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.